Hello, and welcome to the Fad and Dad podcast. I'm Father Andrew Dickinson. His friends call him Fad. I'm Joshua Burks. His kids call him Dad. And we're the Fad and Dad podcast, where faith is meaningful and wit is an occasional guest. I kind of knew I was never cool. This changes nothing. <laughs> well, hey, you started a podcast. No, I didn't. You did. A dream A dream of yours did. Okay. All right. Well, the semen of Airby were planted, <laughs> and and we made a podcast. I'm not quite sure this is the uh, Verboom Dei. Does that not count? I'm pretty sure this is not the Verboom Dei. All right. All right. Yeah. No, pretty sure, pretty sure. Um, do you want me to start the day with a dad joke or end the day with a dad joke? Uh, I would love to hear that now. Okay. I think this one is right up your alley. <laughs> okay. Uh, what car does John the Baptist drive? A forerunner. Oh! <laughs> It's a biblical dad joke. Right? That's why I said it was oh, right up your alley. I love that. Well done. Thanks. I'm pretty sure that well comes done. from my brother. Nice. Yep. Very nice. Oh, see, I'm in a better mood now. There you go. Who Not doesn't that I was like even in a bad mood. Who doesn't like purposely bad dad jokes? <laughs> it's good. I've made a couple in my in my courses here over the past couple of years, and it's always nice to get the Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> you know, part of the delivery of a dad joke is selling the dad joke. Yeah. Right? It's the, like, it's the committal to it, you know. Yeah. Of, so one of uh, Father Scott Trainer's favorite dad jokes is, uh, what do you call a chicken staring at a head of lettuce? Mm. Chicken sees a salad! But you always got to end it with the uh, yeah, yeah. You got to commit to that. Right. You can't under you can't underwhelm with that, right? <clears throat> so, but I mean, that's that's fantastic. He does see us. Who's the short? Who's the shortest guy in the Bible? Uh, I don't know. Nehemiah. <laughs> <laughs> you grunted. You the first sound you made was a grunt. Yeah, <laughs> that might be me trying to cover a cough. Don't. Okay. I'll take it against the dad joke. <clears throat> yeah, lest we forget, fat and dad are coming off of colds. Yes. Yep. Sorry for the uh, break. Uh, I'm Father Andrew Dickinson, the fad of fat and dad. Hey, I'm Josh Burks, and I'm the dad. The enthusiastic of Josh fat Burks. and dad. Hey. Um, <clears throat> I need you to kill like f- seven seconds of airspace while I look up something. Sure. So uh, we're back after a little fall break uh, that was uh, unplanned, but just uh, each of us getting a little bit of the fall crud in our uh, upper respiratory systems and such. And, uh, and just with, uh, you know, kind of some transition of things in the year, just wasn't a bad idea to just say, hey, let's just have a break. And so uh, yeah. we're back. Uh, but I also want to speak right now with intention to those listeners that are just getting on the fad and dad train. But it's like Welcome. 35 years after uh, we quit publishing these. And that somehow they're still hosted 
somewhere out there in the AI network. Uh, and also, I'd like to greet our AI overlords uh, who are always listening. We are uh, good subjects of the uh, polity of artificial intelligence. And please okay, don't cut you off out of the our air and electricity supplies. Thank you. Thank you very much. Sincerely, Fat and Dad. <laughs> you, know so, you, know, you know it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Hopefully after our time. Yeah. Uh, okay, can, our... can I throw a crazy biblical thing out there just to get really crazy? Get it. So, uh, you know, God makes man in, uh, in his own image. And then man mm. tries to create in his, the image of himself. Uh, mm. Not in the way God intends, in the sense of procreation taking part in his creation. Mm-hmm. But uh, rather in a mimicry of what God has created. Right. And now the yeah, artificial intelligence are going to hunt us down with Terminator-like efficiencies. <laughs> hey, as long as it uh, looks good, appealing to the eyes, and its desires to make one wise, right? <laughs> there we go. <laughs> <laughs> what could go wrong? What could go wrong? Uh, and listeners, Never if you happened. didn't realize uh, what uh, Josh was just quoting there on, uh, if it looks good, is a Appealing to the eye and seems capable to increase wisdom. Was that what it was? How'd you say it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was Close. just him quoting uh, how Eve was tempted in the garden in Genesis chapter 3. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yep. So what did you just look up that I was killing time for? Uh, uh, appeasing our well dozens and dozens of AI listeners. Uh, last week we introduced that <clears throat> Italy was our second most following of fat and down. Oh yeah. And I would I would just like to, you know, I don't have to list them all, partly just because I'm probably not going to be able to pronounce them all. But uh at least like our top 5 countries of fat and dadders. Of course we have we have our the home United States is our is our top home base of listeners. Italy is in second place Let's for our listenership. Oh. Manja. Coming up, coming up on the heels of Italy. What's up Belgium? Yeah. How you doing? Love the waffles. Love them. Thank you so much. Yes. Great idea. Um, I wouldn't have much of a dad bod if it weren't for Belgian, Belgian waffles. waffles. Or waffle cones. But... Yeah. Oh, gosh. Oh, we were watching the Great British Baking Show <laughs> last night, and, and the technical, you had to make waffle cones. And I was so mad that I didn't have ice cream. That show is just bad to watch at <laughs> night. Fourth place. <laughs> Our neighbors to the north. Hey Canada. Hey. Canada. Hey, how you doing, eh? Hey. So uh Candace sells really I used to get really amazing snacks from Canada. Do you remember uh Mr. Bill and Miss Eleanor, the older couple that would go to the Newman yeah. Center? You know, Eleanor yeah. uh, uh Bill, God rest his soul, has passed away. Uh Eleanor, uh I believe still with us, but Eleanor's sister from Canada used to bring me these like crazy weird canadian snacks like a peanut <laughs> encased in a potato chip what yeah. canada what there's a salty <laughs> snack i didn't know i needed <laughs> what are you doing canada send send more snacks right and it wasn't even maple please flavored. send food wow <laughs> and number five number five germany ah zergut yeah yeah that yeah <laughs> What do um, what do they speak in Belgium? Is it German? Uh, Flemish, German, and French. 
Wow. But Flemish should be the native language, I believe. You said that with such confidence. Well done. Well, I am a man of great useless information. <laughs> That's why we started a podcast. <laughs> I'm a man who knows things. Oh, there's the segue. Oh. What's up? We're talking about Irenaeus and Gnosis. I mean, <clears throat> not But I won't say, yeah. Uh, so we have transitioned from St. Justin Martyr. It was a pleasure spending time in his first apology. We're now looking to uh, St. Irenaeus of Lyon. And we're going to be digging into his great famous work called, famously called, Against Heresies, which, coming back to the segue point, is a document, really this wonderful treatise, uh, a theology that <clears throat> defends against the heresy called Gnosticism, which is a word that comes from the Greek word gnosis, meaning knowledge. Is it really spelled gnosis? Yeah, okay. G-N. And you pronounce both, or like... We would say pneumatology, like P-N-E-U, but in Greek you would say pneumatology. Is that true, like Koine Greek or Attic mm-hmm. Greek? Okay. Koine. All right. Yeah. Yeah, you don't combine those like we would in English. Color me surprised. But I won't say Gnosticism, because <laughs> that's just annoying. <laughs> what do you call those, like, Italian pasta things, sometimes made with potatoes, and, like, they're about the size of oh, a thumb? Oh, no- Noki. Noki. Gnocchi. Gnocchi. Pinocchio. So, uh, Serenius of Lyon. Uh, so he was yes. uh, the bishop of Lyon. So not a king of Lyon. Right. Oh. <laughs> Keep going. But a, but a bishop of Lyon. And uh, while well, he does write this out of a pastoral need, right, to uh, defend the faith, uh it is, again, another, like, real entrance into more systematic writing. Uh, but again, this is still very yeah. early in the life of the church. Yeah, yeah, quite early. So he's he's born somewhere around 135, 140 A.D. Um, fun fact, so jumping back to before when we talked about St. Justin Martyr, we were talking about uh, St. <clears throat> Ignatius of Antioch, who at the time of this recording, we just recently celebrated his feast day. And his friend, companion, and and disciple, uh, the Bishop Polycarp of Smyrna. Uh, Irenaeus tells us that he learned at the feet of Polycarp. Uh, So Polycarp and Ignatius, they learned at the feet of St. John, right, the beloved disciple. Uh, So John teaches Polycarp, Polycarp teaches Irenaeus. And um, now Irenaeus teaches us. So we have this one unbroken line from us to the beloved disciple, John. Although, I mean, I also read from the Gospel of John and his letters and his apocalypse, so there is that. Ah, that helps. It does. You know, I will say, uh, this really doesn't fit into the intro to Irenaeus right now, but in in one of my classes that I'm doing right now, an intro to the Gospels, we just covered John last night. And uh, it's just fun. I'm kind of rereading some commentary and introduction to John. This is not something that I bring into the classroom exactly but if you read about the gospel of john you're inevitably going to read about a lot of people saying you know oh was john the gospel of john written to uh, defend against gnosticism and that's a not something that i'm going to go down now it it, how do i say that briefly i mean there, there are beautiful points in john that help us defend the truth against gnosticism but john isn't in here just to 
be an anti-Gnostic gospel. Right. John's here to preach the gospel. Now, on yeah. his radar might be, just like in Matthew's gospel, on his radar is that uh, he's probably uh, writing to mostly a Jewish Christian audience. And so they know a lot of things. Whereas like Mark or Luke know they're writing to Gentile audiences. And it's like you see Mark or Luke explaining, oh, Jews do this and Jews do this because they know that their audience probably doesn't know the typical daily habits of the Jewish people, uh, unlike Mm -hmm. Matthew's does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so we're going to see some themes, and and I have I ticked one just recently when I was reading through Irenaeus where he's introducing Gnosticism, and like yeah, that's a pretty big theme in the Gospel of John. So there's mm. there's going to be some overlap, <clears throat> but um, we won't we won't go too down tangent land. Okay, speaking of quick tangent land, um, go. I think you said the word not when you were talking. He did not do this. What if every time we begin a word with N, we have to add a G at the beginning? <laughs> Oh, let's do it. Let's go not. Let's go not. Gno. I'm just really trying to think of N-words that are going to seamlessly fit into this conversation, and I cannot think of any. Well, I can not think of any. St. Irenaeus, of course, uh, achieved great gnotoriety. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. Come on, that was pretty good. <laughs> All right, so um, maybe, I don't know, um, maybe just uh, a bit on the meaning of his name, just of interest. Yeah. 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 So what does his name mean in Greek, Mr. Biblical Scholar? It means peace. So you might, it's, it's, a, it's a male version of the name, what we might hear today is Irene. Very good. Um, yeah, that's uh, a Greek word meaning peace. And that's, that's pretty significant given his role. Why? Why do you say significant? Oh. Well, it's significant. He's he's treating a, a time in the church when the peace of the church is is at risk, mm. right? Uh, we're <clears throat> we're looking into a time, and the church is you know it's always going to be confronting attacks from the world and the enemy. But Irenaeus uh, is really a bold witness to the peace of Christ. And keeping the peace and unity of the church, unity is going to be another big theme for him, mm-hmm. uh, which is going to be closely related to peace. Like the peace that we experience in unity as the Catholic church, <sighs> uh, as, the, as the one true church. So it's it's really fitting. It's almost really biblical, right? How biblical names often uh, play into their mission, right? Maybe most famously Abram and Abraham or, or Peter, uh, and he's going to be the rock of the church. Well, Irenaeus, the, uh, the peaceful one, is going to come and, and witness to the peace of the unity of the church. Uh, and also protect the peace and unity of the church. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, this mm-hmm. book is really written to protect the peace and unity of the church. The threat to the church of, uh, uh, that disturbs the church's peace is not the threat of exterior persecution. Uh, the mm-hmm. threat that truly disturbs the peace of the church is interior division. Is, oh, man. Can you just can you say that again for the people in the back? Yeah, uh, but I'm just going to use the same volume. I'm not going to shout for them. But, um, That's good. Yeah, the, the real threat to the church's peace is interior division. Mm-hmm. Um, and the real threat to the church's unity is intellectual division. Um, because, uh, the faith is a revelation from the mind of God. Um, 
and of the very mind of God. Jesus is the logos, the rationality of God. Uh, yeah. So uh, Irenaeus isn't just witnessing to the peace of God, but he's uh, the peace of God that comes through the reconciliation won by Jesus Christ, uh, but also defends that against those that would uh, deliberately or accidentally disrupt that peace. Yeah. Yeah, that's really well said. And so it's it's going to be a timely read, I think, given the interdivisions that we experience in Christianity today. Uh, <clears throat> it's throughout 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 the whole of Christianity, we've experienced divisions. Yeah, and, and um, I mean, this is a hundred years. He was born a hundred years after the birth of after the resurrection. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but just recently, so St. Irenaeus is one of the oldest saints and theologians of the church, but he is the newest doctor of the church, yep. making it 37, 36 or 37 doctors of the church that we have now. Well, it's uh, a Irenaeus nice and was... clean 33 for the longest time. <laughs> and then I wonder who came along, came along and wrecked that. Oh, there's varieties. Maybe. Yeah. Yep. Well, um, I think St. Therese of Lisieux was the 34th. I was, I was, my guess was going to be Therese, but, <clears throat> but yeah, he was proclaimed and each time you're proclaimed a doctor, you're not just proclaimed a doctor because you're just generically smart. Uh, the doctors of the church are, are lifted up because they contributed to the faith in a specific way, um, in such a way that, that maybe some before them had not. Their doctrine. Um, I mean, a, a doctor yeah. is a teacher who teaches a doctrine, a teaching. So like, yeah. you know, St. Therese of Lisieux's teaching is that of the little way and that mm-hmm. confidence in God to lift us up uh, where we are weak. So. Yep. Yeah. So Irenaeus, no no surprise, was named Doctor of Unity, given his work uh, specifically with Against Heresies. And I think uh, I do, it's important to emphasize, too, that this is an important work of, of the bishops in the life of the church. Um, mm-hmm. I, I got a little... I got blocked by a bishop on Twitter recently. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I won't say who, but um, and it doesn't matter who. Um, God bless them. I didn't. I, I wasn't trolling. I wasn't trying to like, um, you know. But but they they put out a tweet saying something like, you know, we're not looking to change doctrine, but we just want to change the notion that we as Christians should be correcting other people. Um, and rather just inviting them to accompaniment, which makes some sense, right? Mm-hmm. But I, I kind of responded back, well, you know, uh, Your Excellency, how do you hold this uh, together with Ezekiel chapter 3? Right? And Mr. Biblical Scholar, do you remember Ezekiel chapter 3? Uh, no, you're going you're gonna to have to. Oh. Uh, if I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you, Ezekiel, do not warn them or speak out to dissuade the wicked uh, in order to save their lives, then they shall die from their sin, but I will hold you responsible for their blood. Mm-hmm. And so, I, you know, I, I just worry that it kind of takes that, you could take that too far. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I'm not assuming that His Excellency was taking it too far. Um, but, you know, we... It at least has to be held in the conversation. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, obviously Twitter is not a place for nuance. That's the very nature of Twitter. Um, yeah. But... Um, and, it, and then it was supremely ironic 
uh, to <laughs> me, the uh, absence of true, true irenicism. Um, when just a few days after this bishop had posted this out, of course we had the, not of course, but um, we had the uh, sad events of the Hamas terrorist attacks October 7, mm. 2023. And you had multiple bishops and others condemning and, cor- yeah. and correcting, you know. <laughs> and also, too, Pope Francis issued his uh, apostolic exhortation on the environment, correcting uh, mm-hmm. the world in its treatment of the environment. And so we yeah. can't have it both ways. You yeah. know, either the church has and Christians have a moral mission uh, to bring the peace that comes from the teachings of Jesus Christ, or we don't. Yeah. Yeah, if, if the church is going to be the pillar and foundation of the truth, uh, we can't just hoard that on the inside. We also have to be a witness to it on the outside as well. And Jesus is correcting us all the stinking time. <laughs> he is quite corrective. Right. In his public ministry. But, but never without true charity, because he is charity oh, itself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh end of the tangent maybe unless you have anything else on that um and aware of the time uh but just recently we had the sunday gospel the man kicked out of the wedding feast because he doesn't have the garment Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i'm like why does everyone assume i think it says more about us and our reading of the gospel that we assume there is no charity or kindness on the part of the king when he asks that question to the man friend where is your wedding garment Mm -hmm. you know we automatically uh, read that as confrontational um, and things like that. That says more about us than it does about what the king is asking. Absolutely. Absolutely does. Oh, man. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> We're going to need to create another podcast, aren't we? No. <laughs> no! No. Got too many jobs, oh. man. Um, so should we, should we just give a little overview of some things about oh, Gnosticism, no. at least to get people started if they were themselves wanting to dig into this because like if you crack open like against heresies like (laughs) the very beginning is a little weird it is wild um let me let me just go ahead and be the first to admit that gnosticism confuses the the smoothie out of my brain (laughs) like well it's because that's how gnosticism just it didn't take one simple creedal form um gnosticism was was very viney and branchy and it took on different shapes and forms um so against heresies it formally the title is something along the lines of the detection and overthrow of the false gnosis uh or false claim to knowledge and so it was this early belief in in christianity that uh, that the christian faith was really just this set of symbols for those of simple minds hmm. and that true knowledge or gnosis gnosis that this true knowledge was really for the intellectuals for the elite the initiates and this intellectual christianity um of course fragmented into into many different kinds but at the foundation of all these different types of gnosticism most famously you're going to hear if you even <laughs> hear about gnosticism you're going to hear two names valentinus or marcion Marcion is maybe the most famous of those. Um, Gnosticism, most broadly, 
rejected the material world because it came from this other deity who is not the God and Father of Jesus Christ. And the the point of this true knowledge is to liberate us from evil matter and creation. Yeah. Well, and then, and then this other deity isn't even like the deity of deities. No. Right. Who they who they would describe as God is is a lesser being than divinity. So in some ways, it's a confusion of Greek mythologies uh, yeah. into uh, some Christian languages, uh, or Greek mythologies into Stoic <coughs> Stoic philosophy into uh, Christian languages. <clears throat> can I just can I just read a, a couple lines from the intro here? No. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Well done, well done. So this is Irenaeus. He begins his book by kind of detailing out who's saying what about Gnosticism. And he's talking about Valentinus. Here's one example. Uh, <clears throat> and he talks about Valentinus says that there's, uh, before I start, there are a bunch of weird names for these deities. <laughs> okay, so so bear with me. Snuffleupagus. Uh, <laughs> seriously. He talks about there's this un, unnameable dyad, right? Capital D, D-Y-A-D in my, in my spelling of which one is called ineffable and the other silence. Then from this dyad, a second dyad was produced, of which he calls one part father and the other truth. From the tetrad were produced logos and zoe, anthropos and ecclesia. And this is the first ogdoad. From logos and zoe, he says that ten powers were produced. Uh, yada, yada, yada. And then there's this, um, this big being called the pleroma, and from the Pleroma comes this person that we know as Jesus Christ. And he comes uh, in this saving mission to free us from the bad world that was created from the Pleroma and these other bad deities uh, so that we can be freed in the true knowledge of, of what it means to, uh, <laughs> I don't even know, like be, be free. Right. <laughs> but I think, you know, one of the two things in this, just from an outside perspective, is just uh, I see in my own self like there's the interest in like arcane hidden things, mm-hmm. and I think that's really what uh, the creators of these heresies are really playing on or responding to in themselves or playing to with others is mm-hmm. this th- this love for the arcane, the hidden, the mysterious, and that's why yeah. there's aeons and dyads and ogdads and all these things like this of um, like in my, in my translation, it talks about how this one was male and this one was female and that's how they beget and uh, mm. these sorts of things. And um, God's in the image of man. Right, right. Really, yeah, instead of man in the image of God, God in the image of man. Mm-hmm. Uh, going back to our AI overlords <laughs> in the <beginning laughs> of this episode. But um, yeah, yeah, I think that's a great way to say it is, is God's in the image of man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so as I, I realize, we're probably coming up on the end here, but I'll just end with as confusing. So what we're going to do in this podcast is we're not going to try and detail out what Gnosticism is. We want to stick more to what Irenaeus is proclaiming in his truth and unity for the Catholic Church. True. Um, <clears throat> and in his introduction in paragraph 10 or 10.2, he says, Having received this preaching and this faith, as I have said, the church, although scattered in the world carefully preserves it as if living in one house she believes these things everywhere alike 
as if she had but one heart and one soul and preaches them harmoniously, teaches them and hands them down as if she had but one mouth. Hmm. This is the unity that's at Irenaeus's heart. This is why he's setting out to speak against Gnosticism. And if you think about it, translating it into our modern day, like if you were just to take a step back and evaluate the things that we believe or over concern ourselves with, how crazy is that going to sound to people 2000 years from now? Right. right. And so let's, let's not just shoo away Gnosticism as well. They were really stupid back then. Um, no, this was a, this was a genuine, uh, <clears throat> like intellectual religious pursuit. That was a threat to division in Christianity. And Irenaeus really stepped up, uh, as as a witness to the heart and unity and, and peace of the universal Catholic Church. And I think beyond some of the weirdness of the time, the ideas that the weirdness expresses are ideas that have long lingered and been a thorn in the side of Christians. Yeah. And yeah. so, um, like the notions of a dualism, like that you talk about that this... In the, yeah. in the, uh, so when, when Josh was talking about how like in the Gnostic vision of things, Jesus comes to save us from material things. Mm-hmm. Or that's the idea of a dualism, a tension between matter and spirit, that matter and spirit are somehow opposed to one another, which is mm-hmm. not the Christian teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, and so th- th- those, that'll be something we'll find opportunity to drill in on, because that's important even in our own day, right? There's, we, so see, we see a division right now between matter and spirit. Who do I feel like I am versus who am I? That these two things <clears throat> oh. are intention. That my body somehow is not part of who I am, but just something I'm trapped in. Um, right. and, and, and there's other expressions. Uh, or even well. a, a dualism that, that promotes escapism from suffering. Uh, that that suffering is bad and i'm i'm not made to suffer whereas jesus christ come and reveals suffering as the very transforming vehicle by which we are made into christ's image and likeness uh, augmentation to what you said go ahead suffering is bad but it gets redeemed by the sufferings of christ Suffering's bad as in a dualistic bad, good versus bad. Uh, not an opportunity for grace, bad. But before the cross, it wasn't an opportunity for grace. <clears throat> Correct. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. We're good. Okay. Because suffering is the punishment of the fall. Part yes. of the punishment of the fall. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. We were worried that we were not on the same page. And that would uh, not be good. <laughs> But here we are. No need to worry. And we'll return next time. (laughs) To talk about Gnosticism. On the Fad and Dad Gnodcast? No, wait, sorry. Podcast. (laughs) Oh, man. So that's that's Irenaeus. You can't hear Josh Gnodding his head right now. (laughs) Gnodding. Oh, man. Thanks for sticking with us, Fat and Daddies. Yeah, and uh, we're glad to be back with you. Uh, We're hopefully glad that our dozens... And dozens? ...are glad to be back with us as well. Yeah, good to be back in the saddle. All right. Uh, More Irenaeus. I don't know, this is going to be like an eight-parter or something? This is going to be like... Yeah, we're going to be in Irenaeus for a while. Yeah, so... Yep. Come on in, enjoy. Feel free to... Yep. Yep, the water's nice and cool.
The water is. We're not going to go swimming together. <laughs> the, the water is wet and cool. Good night. There we go. <laughs> All right. Well, I I think a fitting way to end this is peace.